One of our collectively favorite relief valves in life, restaurants and bars, have been devastated in the COVID era. According to Data Central Research, over 10% of U.S. restaurants have closed permanently since the start of the pandemic in March of 2020. That means nearly 80,000 restaurants out of the nearly 780,000 in this country are gone since the start of COVID-19. Food trucks, a major player in Los Angeles where this podcast comes from, has been one of the hardest hit segments of the industry, with around 22.5% of them parking their trucks forever. Those that survive have worked hard to adapt, looking for new market niches, joining up with home delivery services, and where and when possible, creating new dining experiences to try and keep customers both safe and well-fed. And fortunately, municipalities have helped them by freeing up more street space to increase their alfresco dining experiences. So, now that the vaccine is available to every adult in the U.S., we have a chance to begin to turn this trend around. California is optimistically planning to return to near-normal business by the middle of June if we all do our part, continue to stay safe, and get our jabs. You know the light at the end of that tunnel? It's definitely getting brighter. Adam Bennell is a serial entrepreneur who has been involved in multiple coffee startups. He currently is the owner and operator of Hustle & Dough, a small batch donut company that serves handmade donuts and Adam's own coffee roast from a food truck in all four corners of Los Angeles. My guest today is Adam Bennell. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do? So I, in my bio, it says serial entrepreneur um, with multiple startups, but really just a hustler from day one since I was you know, 15, 16 years old. I've had businesses or started different side companies or things like that and uh, on, on the side of just working or whatever. But okay. um, currently I have a coffee and donut food truck called Hustle and Dough in Los Angeles. So I've, uh, nice. Throwing all my chips in the middle and we're, we're making it a real go of it. Okay. How has that been as a business before pandemic? Let's 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 start with before pandemic and then we'll get to pandemic after. So how was that like? And what was it like starting up a food truck? Starting up a food truck was pretty brutal, only because of the situation. I was actually going through a lot. Um, I'd just gone through a nasty breakup with somebody I'd been with for seven years. And okay. I was working two jobs and I had all of a sudden this new business I had launched. And so I was paying insurances and, and rent on, on the business and paying all these taxes and um, with no experience. I had never worked on a food truck and um, I had really never had any experience running that kind of a business on my own. They kind of, there's not really a school to teach you other than work for somebody else. And so they, they literally handed me the, uh, the keys to the truck and said, Hey, good luck. And not even how to hook up the generator or turn the lights on or anything. And so, it was uh it was it was definitely a crash course in in just how to how to run the business. Did did you buy somebody else's existing business and then take it over as your own or did you create this one from scratch? Created this one from scratch. I actually went to Texas. I bought a truck and uh it was kind of the reason that the truck was kind of it was the truck was never the intention. 
of, yeah. of what I wanted to open. I really wanted to open, my background is in coffee. And so I really wanted to open okay. uh, a coffee shop. That's always been a goal or a dream of mine ever since I was 12, 13 years old. And I came down to LA from the Bay area and that was my intention was to open up a shop, work for a couple of people and kind of find the, the neighborhood I wanted to launch into and, and put all my money in and go and okay. quick, quickly realized that LA is equally as expensive as the Bay area. Uh, yeah. Opening up a retail space and uh, it was just not feasible at all. And so the food truck was kind of the route. It was a quicker way for me to do it. And it was something that, um, I found a road to kind of finesse and get in under budget on. Okay. And it made it accessible to me. So you're a coffee guy. Do you, do you do your own blends for the truck as well? We do. We roast our own coffee. And so that's kind of been the interesting part about it is I went in with every intention of this being a coffee truck only Yeah. and quickly realized that, that one, there's not really a coffee culture in the United States that draws any kind of nostalgia. So um, donuts have been the draw. We've kind of pivoted from, I just thought we'd be a banging coffee truck with really good donuts. And my mom's been a baker for you know 20 years and has done it professionally for the last 10. And so yeah. um, I've been in the kitchen most of my life and helping her and, and having her help me the last five or 10. And it kind of pivoted when I was getting more calls about the donuts than I was about the coffee, which, which absolutely broke my heart. But you quickly realize you just, you, you go where the money is, you go with where the taste is. And I realized that there wasn't really a lot of donut. Obviously there was, there was only a couple of donut trucks and there was, when I came down and we launched almost almost three and a half years ago, it was, there there wasn't quite the donut scene that there is now. There was Randy's donuts and then sidecar was threatening to move here. And Blue Star had just opened up, but there wasn't like the the huge you know competition that there is now. How do you find locations to take the truck to normally? It's a good question. So pre-pandemic, the business was a lot more predictable because, um, especially on the west side, so like there's a lot of tech companies clearly in Culver City and, and Santa yeah. Monica and things like that. So there's actually a predefined business model as far as where there's a lot of truck bookers, a lot of people don't know about. And so okay, you could, you could actually go through a booking agency and you could book yourself six days a week, twice a day if you really want to. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. For coffee, it's a little tougher. The numbers are getting more transparent as well. So, and it's becoming, it's still a community in that somebody will actually, if they got to, if they have to get off a spot for the night, they'll actually tell you what they usually make at that spot. So it makes it, Okay. Worth it so they don't lose the account. But uh, okay. coffee was still a little difficult. And so um, I was chasing basically any kind of money I could. Um, you know, I was doing private events. I was switching up spots every day. And what I realized is that especially with something like coffee and then donuts being kind of the added bonus is you kind of need to build consistency in your schedule just so that people can build you into their routine. That makes sense. Yeah, you're dealing with people before – They've had their coffee, so they're not awake. <laughs> and so you just have to either get near their home or near their work. And that's that's when they kind of build you into – because people will take consistency over quality every day. That's that's why Starbucks is so successful. And so Yeah. So that's kind of been the – that was really the hard lesson and still a lesson I'm learning now is um, is really creating consistency. You know, you always, you always at the end of the month are trying to chase that that dollar to kind of make everything end on a positive note. And so sacrificing that for consistency is 
been a struggle for the entire four years. And now with the pandemic happening, I mean, the first three months, it was it was fear. I mean, nobody was leaving their home. So yeah. we couldn't even get walk-up business and nobody was at an office. And so that was that was probably the biggest, the most drastic change was, was that everybody's patterns changed. And so um, a lot of trucks closed. I was lucky enough to to hustle and figure out how to keep mine just afloat. But it was, uh, it's, you're seeing it with businesses too and that they're changing a lot of their models. But um, now now the truck is pretty consistent with where it's popping up. And Oh, and, that's good. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure the business office, as we've known it, isn't coming back after this. But I wonder how many places are just going to, you know, go down to sort of a, a WeWork kind of business model where they're renting office space on demand rather than, you know, building out a big complexes. I mean, big companies probably won't change that. The big, big companies, the ones that have a complex aren't going to probably change that much. But um, yeah, I think the the commercial real estate market is going to be an interesting thing to see when we get out of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, yeah, and and with that too comes changes with just kind of not worker identity, but what your what your job actually becomes, yeah. and, and you know it'll be unfortunately it'll be a lot of downsizing as well because efficiency will become or you know, yeah, I think we've seen a lot of that already in in traditional commercial kind of stuff, the downsizing of jobs. Um, the industry you're in, unfortunately, is one of the ones that's hit the hardest by all of this, right? And mm-hmm. food services and and that kind of thing. Um, I, I, for me, I, and I know nothing about this, so please understand that going in. Um, it almost feels like having the truck is an advantage in the future, right? Because you've gotten through the year with a different kind of overhead and you can move to wherever you need to be where your audience is. Is that yeah. true? No, absolutely. No, you're hundred percent right. And it's, it's interesting too. So you're seeing like different, like over, like we're down in LA, like de- over in Westwood has just been just decimated because a lot of, and you're the seeing college has been closed, right? So college has been closed. Yeah. yeah. And, you're seeing, and a lot of the corporate stuff is, is gone away too. Right. Like a lot of yeah. the stuff that the university used to do with, with big dinners and, and big spending. And so it's yeah. interesting too. The food industry was really built for a huge disruption anyways just in, in with the minimum wage going up and what roles were going to be and, and how you were going to be served was going to be incredibly different as well as the, the cost of the cost of food was the, it was, it was all kind of coming to a head. And so this is kind of just, just kind of sped that up. And with the truck, it's given us a ton of flexibility. One, we're able to, a lot of, a lot of places are now. Um, so we do a lot of production catering um, kind of on the side of our normal spots and it's okay. kind of it kind of went from a treat to kind of a kind of a necessity in a lot of sense like craft services is you know yeah. somewhat of a liability as well and 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 it's sometimes easier just to bring out a truck than to actually go run and get food and, and logistically yeah. figure all that out but um yeah you're right having the truck has been actually really great it's shaped the neighborhoods have all changed a lot it's it's and interesting when people have to stay put and not and not travel or, yeah. or who's who's bailing on neighborhoods in, in different parts of the city um, to move to a Santa Barbara or, you know, with people maybe commuting in three days a week, you know, doing the yeah. hours rather than doing the hour commute. But we've kind of benefited from that a lot just because a lot of places that would normally be 
VR competition have gone away. So we're kind of a treat, right? Like if yeah. you're thinking of us as a, as a donut thing. And so when we roll into a place, if we go and do a brewery, for instance, or if we do um, a festival or something now, like a social yeah. distance one, we're kind of kind of an anomaly because those those normal businesses can't really survive, and so we kind of get treated as as like a special thing, and so it's yeah, it's kind of pivoted us from a from a side thought to kind of a kind of a main a main joint, which is cool. I I, I want to ask you this because you mentioned it, and I have not heard yet the business perspective on this. How how would a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage affect your business? Do you think? No, it's a great question. It just changes because I think about this a lot because I I would love to open up retail and I, yeah. I think about how I would build a team and a business around having to pay people slightly more yeah. per hour. And it kind of goes into just what your expectation is of each individual. And so you're going to run a leaner crew because obviously, unless, unless you're just banging out, you know, $4,000 days and you can do whatever you want and print any money, yeah. Yeah. which yeah. would be amazing. But if, but if you're not doing that, which is the majority of businesses aren't doing that, you're going to find that in, and you're going to find that the way that you're served a lot of um, it's going to be a lot of um, more communal things. So I think you're going to see a lot of clustering of businesses in, in higher okay. end food courts. And then the individual businesses themselves, it'll be um, counter service and like one runner or everything will be consolidated, right? Like all the, all the okay. roles will kind of just be kind of melt into each other. And so you're going to have workers that aren't super specialized. You won't have, just a cashier or just a, just a line cook or anything like that. Everybody, everybody's expectations are going to be raised because now everybody kind of has to pitch in, you know, 25 right. more. It's like, it's like when they say like you fire, you know, the, like, you know, 10% of your staff, but like still all the work gets done because everybody else is yeah. not there. It's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of that, but like you just, you start with that as your model. And so you're just going to see, I think you're going to see the quality of food be exactly the same, if not higher, because it'll be, um, It'll be it'll be kind of a redistribution of of your funds, and and so that might actually also help in buying better ingredients. But you're also seeing a lot of chefs who are incredible who have really had higher end restaurants. You're talking like fifteen to eighteen dollar plates who are now getting into like the twelve to fifteen dollar joints, and they're yeah. not doing passion projects, but they're doing things that are a little bit more fast casual, but they're doing it at unbelievably high quality. And so I think. I think overall, you're just going to see a lot of um, just negative labor just done away with. There's not. I okay. Mean, and I was like, uh, Amoeba just announced that they're going to open or they're just opening back up their Hollywood spot. Yeah. And we had heard a lot about that they had actually closed because the rent, not only had the rent skyrocketed, but also because of um, minimum wage. They just, a business like that is going to have a huge difficulty with their payroll because you have, you have just a lot of labor kind of sitting. And, and that's kind of the nature of that business. And so if yeah. you think about that in the food industry as well, you're not going to have four servers on staff. You're not going to have two bartenders. You're, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot more consolidated. Right. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Uh, my dad was a waiter. Uh, so as I grew up, that's what he did for a living. And for a long time, he worked at the high end, like a high end seafood restaurant in Manhattan. Right. Mm. So and and these were the days when your tips were off the books and, you know, you made all kinds of decent money because, you know, you'd, you'd have a $300 check and and people were generous if you were a good waiter. Um, 
So I can see how with all, I, I saw how the industry changed over the years for him, you know, now his tips had to be declared and, and everything started to get different. And I've always found it bizarre that there's a lower minimum wage just in general in the restaurant industry because of tips, which I guess mm -hmm. you still have to declare on your taxes anyway. So, um, so I just wondered about, you know, you don't think the money will just roll back onto us as the customers uh, in price increases. And do you think that, I mean, what is the average minimum wage for a restaurant worker nowadays? How much is that $15 from, from where the average is? Um, I mean, it's, I mean, if you're working in a restaurant, like in, I think, um, I don't know if it's rolled out everywhere yet, but I know in Santa Monica specifically, they've already rolled out the $15. Um, okay. That's, that's just across the board. You just paid 15. That's where you start. Okay. Or, or if it's okay. not 15, it's about to be 15. Um, I think, I mean, it's a way bigger conversation, but I think you're going to see specifically in dining out, you're going to see, it's going to become a huge class separation. I think there's going to be oh. uh, a huge divide. It will be, I think the actual cost of the top end food will be put on the consumer and, and the customer. And okay. That's gonna it's gonna I think change a lot of things in the next five years or so because we're 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 just seeing the prices of everything rise and wages are yeah. not for a lot of it and so um, that's that's I think what I would say is gonna happen probably more than more than anything else is is uh is who who gets to go go to a restaurant rather than than how much is it oh okay all right um okay so you're you're in the business you're you found i assume places that are good to go and and have an audience uh for your products and you're doing okay and then the pandemic lands um you talked about how a lot of the the businesses dried up because people weren't going into their offices anymore mm -hmm. um we're just past a year of this state of the world how have you been holding up it's been tough. It's been, um, we're holding up, we're holding up good now. Like now we're kind of figuring we, it took when the pandemic first hit, we, uh, hustle and dough specifically, I say we like, there's a huge team. Um, uh, we, we, uh, hustle and dough lost a ton of private events. So that was what we were kind of building a lot of our business on was not, okay. uh, you know, public consumer facing and building a brand that way. We had really built out a really good network over the last three years of production catering. I had like nine weddings on the books for, for last okay. year, um, things like that. And so those all, the minute the pandemic hit, we kind of shuffled them all. And then to the end of the year of 2020, and then a lot of them just got outright canceled. And so right. um, a lot of revenue that we were depending on in, in Q1 just kind of evaporated, which was a huge bummer. And then this, the summer was even even tougher because we usually do a ton of festivals. We do a lot of events, um, a lot of birthdays. It's again, it's a lot of private events and things like that. And so, yeah, the first, you know, first two quarters was super brutal. Um, it was, uh, people were scared. It was, the money wasn't being spent at all. The delivery apps hadn't really taken off at that time either. But um, yeah. there was just like a lot of, there was just a lot of fear. We were still taking the truck out every day, trying to find whatever we could to, to make it happen. But it was, it was, it was like a tightness in the city. Like nobody, nobody, you know, the roads were empty and yeah. uh, nobody was walking around. And so, um, I mean, I ended up doing odd jobs. I ended up working for, for an old employer at the, at the time as well. So um, for the first six months, like 
grew up DoorDash, uh, worked as a barista at old coffee shops, and then took the truck out as much as possible to try and hunt people down. But yeah, um, yeah, everybody people was gathering. Scared. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah, they yeah. weren't doing anything, and they weren't. Yeah. And then the normal spots where we would usually do really well, just even going to bars and breweries and just nothing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so as the as the first yeah the first probably six months were really really hard. It was incredibly stressful and. Uh, and also a lot of things kept changing. The CDC kept, you know, we, we all learned in real time what was, what was happening and policies would change. And yeah, especially, especially being a truck in Los Angeles, it was, there was, there were months where the roads got locked down, you know, because they had, you know, national guard was down here and they, and they had put in the curfew and things. And so there was, uh, this was during, this was during the civil unrest, uh, like yeah. last summer. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. so, yeah, we couldn't get on certain roads. So we couldn't even, yeah. I had, we had clients that had contracted us out and I couldn't even get my truck, my truck to them because yeah. yeah, the, you know, national guard wouldn't let us through. And so that was super crazy. And so it was, it was definitely really difficult. And then emotionally, you're just a huge wreck just because you're yeah. living through it, you know? And so, yeah. um, the uncertainty was really tough and, and really we shut down for two weeks just because, especially at the beginning, because, I didn't want to get anybody sick. That was, that was, yeah. you know, cause that was the time when everybody was supposed to wash everything and do all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, we didn't know. Right. We, uh, yeah. you know, you, do you have to spray down your bags of groceries when you get home? And yeah. yeah, those first, that first month was horrible. Yeah. It was, it was wild. And so that was, that was definitely difficult, difficult for us. And then, um, yeah, once, we got through summer, things started to turn around a little bit. We ended up finding a neighborhood that we really liked. We were in uh, Culver city a lot and in Mar Vista. Okay. Um, and we had just kind of, and those were, those were neighborhoods that I, I live in Mar Vista. So I love it. And so obviously I was comfortable there, but it was, it was a neighborhood that kind of didn't have a lot. Same thing with parts of Culver city, because a lot of people there commute to, to different places Right. With, where the, where we would usually go to the tech offices those individuals were living in these neighborhoods. And so, right. Yeah. We, we kind of found a really nice little niche of, um, parking and serving them because, because they would usually leave every day. There weren't like, you know, adequate businesses to, to really serve them what they were looking for. So, right. Well, that's good. How, how, how has all of this been on like family life? Family's been tough. They've been, they are a huge, all my family's in the Bay area. And so, um, and they're a huge emotional support system for me. I talk to everybody, everybody's on a text, a group text, you know, every day. So we're, we communicate a lot, very close. And so I would usually, I usually go up and visit five, six times a year and, uh, and somebody would come down and I, since the pandemic, I've gone up once, which has been super Uh, And so they, everybody's just trying to be really careful and, uh, and, you know, we have, we have some family members who are, who are a little compromised. So we're just trying to keep everybody safe and, yeah, and, uh, and really just make sure everybody's, uh, everybody's healthy in that sense. So here we are, it's now mid end of March and we are vaccinating people like crazy. I got my first, uh, Moderna shot last week at Dodger stadium this past weekend. Amazing to watch how they're doing it there. They're easily knocking out five, 6,000 vaccines a day. Based on the pace that they're doing it, um, there's a general feeling, in my my opinion, that things are starting to get better. How's how how are you feeling these days? What's the next six month like for you? Oh, we're I mean we're getting ready for summer. Summer this is going to be like the most hopping summer of all time for for just 
it's you can already we like we're already feeling it and and it's in budgets are loosening up it's interesting so a lot of people um you're not supposed to say this but like a lot of people have a lot more money than than they than they're leading on because budgets are budgets for us are loosening up everybody's had to hang out at home for a whole year and not go to bars go to restaurants do anything no no traveling so you know a lot of people are doing work in their homes obviously but what just this summer and you can you can just already feel it because it's coming early a lot of the private events are already coming in uh a lot of of the um communication for festivals and, and different outdoor things are already starting and it's it's it it the demand is already there for kind of a like a like a renaissance almost like it's it's going to be just That's like awesome. this huge just yeah just crazy party everybody's been cooped up and just repressed and it's it's going to go off and so we're um yeah i'm already we're preparing for that already which is going to be really great so we're excited for that that's very very cool <laughs> yeah i i'm a, i'm a, i mean i feel it right i know there's this enormous amount of pent-up demand out there yeah. for people to get back out in the streets and seeing the numbers are you know, knock on wood, the numbers are staying low right now. We've lived through spikes in LA, but we're doing a, a good job of vaccinating people and people seem to be taking it more seriously this time. You know, um, I want to say, uh, we'll see what happens after spring break is over because that was the first spike last year after, after the initial hit. Um, But hopefully, you know, we're on the right track. And I've had the feeling for a while now that it was the summer would be critical, right? We'll get mm-hmm. we'll get through the summer and then the fall will feel very much like almost uh, whatever the new normal is going to be, uh, yeah. but not as restricted, locked in our houses all the time kind of thing. So, yeah, it's 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 starting to feel good <laughs> again a little bit. It feels it feels almost detrimental to say that it feels positive like if it's, yeah it, it doesn't feel right especially with you know all, all the things that have gone on but you can it's it's been interesting to see that especially in la like i like a lot of my family is in very small towns of you know of sonoma county and marin and, and my sisters live in, in oakland and san francisco but um and so they don't deal with i i think going through the pandemic in la specifically was such a unique experience because this city is, is not like new york in that there's so many people crammed into such a yeah. small spot yeah but that but that you like i see people every day all the time nonstop, and it's and it's interesting to to you almost have to cut out a lot of outside noise on criticism or anything like that because yeah. the city was, is not built for everybody to be home at the same time and yeah just not the space for it and so yeah um, i i don't know it's 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 interesting seeing how la has also kind of finessed this this whole pandemic and that it's gotten really creative and obviously it's been super horrible as well but it's yeah but it's it's this the city's like vibrancy is is still there and it's it's creativity is is, is still very yeah very aware yeah yeah i agree I agree. I, having spent a lot of years in the movie industry, seeing how they were able to pull it together and come up with a strategy that allowed them to get back on the set and shoot again. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they've been masterfully successful at it. Right. I, you, you don't hear about, there were a couple of cases of films that were shooting in London that had problems with, with people getting sick, but you don't hear about any of the stuff that's going on in LA having any problems like that. And that's just because 
you know, we saw the problem, we came up with a solution for how to, how to deal with it. And then we really took it seriously. Um, I have, I have one question that, uh, maybe you'll have a perspective on because of all the people that you deal with on a regular basis. How, how has been like mask, uh, adherence for people? Are you seeing people who are mostly okay with wearing masks? Are you seeing a lot of people fighting it? in different, you know, what's your experience? So it's, so it's funny. I, I, and I've in dealing with like also the, the, like we do a lot of catering with the movie industry. It's been interesting, the wrinkle that, um, having to do, um, testing day of or day before has been yeah. thrown in. So we, yeah, we get, we get that a lot. And, um, the mass has, has been really good. I've, I've been really impressed. So I'm in, I'm in, so when when the numbers come in and when people complain about LA not wearing masks, it's it's interesting what where I think it's it is because I'm in South Central every day. That's where my truck is, and I spend a lot of time there. And there is not one person without a mask down there. It is it is masked yeah. up, and it's and it's a it's a part of town where the where culture is everybody's out all the time. So it's 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 always it's always interesting seeing the perception of. And so I'm also very confused too when I when people have these horror stories and it's usually of white people, you know, breaking the rule, but it's like coming up and demanding things or like, you know, not having their mask on or being, you know, whatever. And I feel like now yeah. at this at this point now we've seen it enough where it's like those people who are being irritants about it and just not, just not complying are kind of, they've gotten tired of being fought with maybe, and maybe they're all complying, but it's, yeah. you rarely see it now. And, and, but at the beginning of the pandemic, it was, it was kind of egregious where you would see it. You would see it like out in the valley and stuff like that. Like the further away from the yeah. center of LA you got, like if you went down, I went, I, we did a lot of events in the South Bay, like in Bellflower and stuff. And like, you yeah. would, you would, it would be like a little kid BMX thing. And like, I was safe because I was in my truck and I'm away from everybody. But like all these kids are, you know, riding these little BMX bikes and doing their whole thing. And then I would go all the way out to Northridge or we'd be out, you know, like way out in Noho or whatever and like, or Burbank and, and you would see, and then you would see it in places like, like Brentwood was like, like 40% of people were not wearing masks at the beginning of this, like all the way yeah. through the end of summer. And it was, it was kind of crazy. And so it was interesting, like what, it was almost like, like two different sections. It was, you know, people who just didn't believe in it, whatever. And then privilege. And, and so yeah. that's kind of the interesting part, but for, for our truck, like people have been amazing. Like everybody is incredibly respectful and, and wears a mask. And, and same thing with anybody that I bring on the truck who works with me is, I mean, we're a small operation, so it's usually just two of us, but we're, I mean, fully masked up and, and everybody just seems to, to have gotten it by now. I haven't, we haven't had yeah. any like nasty experiences with anybody and, and that's good. And we've been incredibly lucky for that. Yeah. Talk about your coffee business. Cause I'm really, I'm fascinated by that. So are you still in the roasting business yourself? Uh, we don't roast for ourselves anymore. We have that kind of became, um, became a lot <laughs> to be very yeah. honest. It became for, for how, so I thought it was going to be the main vein of our business. I thought that was right. be the, the big leader. And so I had spent a lot of time putting into here's what the branding is going to be. Here's how we're going to attack wholesale and sell to other people. I thought it yeah. was going to be just a huge contributor to the bottom, to the bottom line. And, and it just ends up that it wasn't, there's just a ton of amazing coffee in LA. And uh, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of relationships and be friends with a lot of people who roast amazing coffee and will okay. sell it to me incredibly reasonably. And I have an amazing, you know, just, I can have anything from anywhere. And so it's, oh. it's, and, it, and usually they live down the street and I can just go pick it up from their house. Huh. So <laughs> Um, that's cool 
so yeah, so we, so that's kind of, I went from wanting to really be a coffee company, having that as our identity to realizing that I can, and we, and to be very honest, like we will probably, if we ever get to the, the, the point where we can add that as another source of revenue, just to add on to the truck, we will definitely go back to it and, and roast when it becomes, you know, financially viable. But, cool. but as far as what I've kind of realized with the truck is that the truck gets to be a catalyst for a lot of things. It, it gets to be, yeah, it, it gets to be a source of comfort for people because I mean, you've yeah. seen what's happening with pizza too, but our, like everybody's just said, you know, forget it. We can eat carbs again. This is, this is amazing. Yeah. And yeah. We're eating bagels and, and everything. And so we've just become, our donut sales are through the roof and our coffee has been really minimized, but as everything grows, we will, our coffee will grow in tandem with with the donuts. And so it kind of, it kind of lets that all kind of swell, swell as, as one. So, um, as we grow, the coffee business will grow and, and then eventually we'll hit a breaking point where we can, where we can roast our own again and really label it as our own. But in the meantime, we just get to support some really amazing friends and roasters who are doing incredible job. And so it's, it's kind of like a cheat code, right? Like you, yeah. you, you love, you love something and, and you want to make it yourself and feel like you've handcrafted this, this, this product. But at the same time, you can just get an A plus from, from a friend yeah. of yours. And, and I'm lucky enough and, and have had the experience that I can actually have somewhat of a say if I want in if I don't, not, if, not if I don't trust them, but if, but if I want something specific, I can, I can nudge them in that specific direction. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like being the boss with, with no responsibilities. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. You just come yeah, in they'll, they'll make the, the blend. You, you ask and they'll tweak the blend for you in a way. And that's, that's exactly. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And, and they let you, and they let you in on, on all the fun stuff. So you get to go all the copings and you get to, when they're trying something new out and, and then their people kind of learn about you. And so they, they want to they want to hook you up or make your eyebrows go up a little bit. And, and nice. So it's nice. it's a cool it's it's kind of like being a VIP at a club. It's kind of nice. Very nice. Okay, how many different varieties of donuts do you make in an average day? We make uh, so we do two different styles. Well, th- we do three different styles. We do um, a fritter, which is our most popular donut that we do. Okay. Um, we do just kind of a a. Um, raised yeast donut, which is like more like a sweet roll. So it's not, not super sweet, but it's like, we've actually had a lot of other vendors use us as like the bun for something. So like, Oh, cool. They make like a breakfast sandwich and they'll just flip it inside out and then grill it, which is kind of cool. Or we did okay. a, like a hot chicken pop up with somebody and, and they used like our maple glazed donut and then they would put the hot chicken in the middle and did a whole thing. So that was kind of neat. And, uh, Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> real good. It, it definitely was. It definitely was a hit. And uh, but um, we probably do of the of just the the raised donut. We probably do five or six different flavors. Kind of depends what's going on. And then okay, um, we'll do a slightly different style for when we fill it with stuff. So like if we're doing like some sort of a jam or jelly donut, or uh, we were doing a peanut butter filled with like muddy buddies on top and salted caramel. That was really good. So nice. Um, nice. we'll do, it'll be a, like a, like a slightly spongier and a little bit easier to cook through. So, okay. Yeah. Is, is there a particular fan favorite that that's like the go-to that your regulars come back for all the time? It's funny. So I, so we spent a lot of time on the main dough. Um, I spent probably a, a little over a year working on different recipes. We went everything from mashed potatoes in the dough to like doing these super light fluffy boys. Like you get at like Wenchel's and yum yum. And, uh, and Krispy Kreme and it and it turned out that the fritter 
sells better than anything. And which is, okay. really, which is really frustrating because it's incredibly easy to make. And we came super late to the game on it. Uh, I kind of just started making um, the apple fritter because I was out of yeast and I was going to an account and I was like, holy smokes, I have to fill 15 more donuts to, to make this account <laughs> work and get paid out. And, uh, and I just had, I had, you know, baking powder and all everything I needed to make. And I just had to grab some apples. And so I just went to the market down the street and grabbed the apples. And it, cause with normal donuts, you roll them out, you let them rise and then you fry them. So that usually takes about from start to finish, usually takes about an hour and a half to two hours just to yeah. get one donut, getting one donut's the same as getting a hundred donuts. Cause you have to let them all rise. Um, but with a fritter, you can just fire it out. So that was kind of the, uh, the savior. And then, we had such a positive reaction from it. I just started making them all the time. And then it kind of took about six months to dial that recipe in. We had a lot of different variations of it, but we always, we yeah. always work it out through the customers. And so um, they're really good about telling us what sucks and what doesn't. And uh, so <laughs> it kind of took a little bit of time, but that's, I probably sell, if I, if I put out two dozen fritters, I sell two dozen fritters and it's, it's nice. kind of amazing. Yeah. It's, it was frustrating because we put all that time into the other dough, but um who cares we're selling fritters yeah go where the audience (laughs) is right exactly how how can people in la find you uh hustleando.com is our website and then uh we also our instagram is pretty popping so hustle or uh hustle the letter n and then doe okay is our instagram so yeah either one of those and that will also uh show where you're where you're located at on any given day so people can come find the truck Absolutely. The Instagram is probably the best spot for that. We usually post daily where we're going to be. We have our week, our weekly schedule on there. We're getting some work done on our truck currently. So we're going to be off the road for okay. about a week, but um, yeah, we, we usually have, um, and if thing that's why I always push people to the Instagram because things change pretty quickly for us, especially now we're getting like last Friday, for instance, uh, at 11 o'clock at night, I got a phone call that another truck had canceled for an 11 year old's birthday. And so we, we ended up in Anaheim in the morning rather than in Santa Monica. So, um, so I always push people to the Instagram because it'll give you real time on, on where we're actually going to be. I will make sure all of it is listed in the show notes. So anybody who's interested can find it. And I'm guessing that if you're a listener who's in a place like New York, you're just out of luck for now. <laughs> we're going to have merch soon. So they can buy a t-shirt if they want. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. Adam, thanks for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. Jeff, it was my pleasure. I really appreciate it.